Riverside. Michigan Wolverine. Hey, Brent. How are you, man? Feeling pretty good, Dave. Yeah. I'm feeling pretty good. You feeling pretty good, man? Go blue, yeah. baby. How about it? How about it? I am. I am like itching to do this episode with you. Welcome to Garage Takes, everybody. Season two. Welcome to the podcast, man. I mean, holy cow. 12, Michigan, 12-0. and 0. Uh, We cannot wait to dive into this today. If you haven't done so already, make sure that you like, follow, subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review. Positive comment goes a long way. And Brant, it is great. If you couldn't hear that muffled audio, that would be the locker room chance of the Michigan Wolverines. It's great to be a Michigan Wolverine and ain't that the truth. Brant. No Blake Corum, no problem on Saturday. Michigan heads into Columbus and completely obliterates them in the second half and now takes the last two games in this heated rivalry. Brent, your initial takeaways just from watching this game. My first takeaway, Dave, is the Big Ten runs through Ann Arbor. You you want to win the Big Ten? you got to come through Michigan now. Uh, this is the old, uh, Dave, I know, <laughs> uh, Dave, I know you've seen the movie Friday when he snatches the chain, Debo chain snatching. That's what that felt like, man. Like, Oh, I think this is my little brother's chain. Uh, you know, like they just took, they took it from him, man. And if you want to beat, you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And we now are the best. And, um, you got to take care of business this weekend, obviously, to be back-to-back Big Ten champions. So, uh, and, and I know, Dave, I listened to all the postgame. Th- this team is all focused on Purdue now. They've already moved on. And I think it does help that you've been there before. You've been to that Big Ten championship game. You know what's on the line. Uh, you know it's something to be taken seriously. And I think that was my first thought, Dave. I moved on pretty quick, too. I mean, I was happy. I was happy as I could ever be <laughs> after that win. Um, but it, it's time to refocus and retool and get back at it, man. Brant, so the way this game started, Ohio State comes down the field and it's roaring in the shoe, just as you were expecting it to be. And you're like, Ohio State gets the ball first and you're just hoping slow up that momentum a little bit. Three points, somehow give them to punt something um, or uh, or very tough seven points even. But, of course, what does Ohio State do? They just drive down there and basically make a statement right away, score an easy seven, and it almost in a way felt like the game against Georgia last year in the college football playoff. Um, I, I know different, and they were using their tight end, but it just the way they moved the ball was like, uh-oh, this this isn't good. I don't, I, I don't like this, and... They Ohio State started fast, and they wanted to get Michigan to play their game. They wanted to play fast. They wanted to run Michigan out of the stadium, and that just didn't happen. And it seemed like 
So Michigan gets the ball back, and you know you don't have you, you trot out Blake Corm out there, I believe, for like two carries, and it's very clear that he is in pain and is not able to go that day. Um, you don't even see Donovan Edwards a lot early on, and Michigan clearly is relying on their passing game, and they do get down the field and they get a field goal. And even at that moment, man, I don't know about you, but I just felt like that's what we needed to do. Like to go down there and get three points was huge. And those are the, and I think we talked about this on, on, on the last episode. If you can go on and get a field goal or you can hold them to a field goal, like those are the kind of chess moves, if you will, that you need to win a game like this. And it started as a chess game and it ended as just a just an arsenal <laughs> yeah like um, a chinese checkers you're just hopping right. all over the place like <laughs> all over yeah it was crazy it was like a, a complete rush of points like a avalanche that just ohio state could not stop and that's funny dave because that's what they do to everybody all year one score leads to four scores it feels like yep. when you play yep. them and um man yeah it was just it was those five explosive plays that I know everybody talks about, Dave. And I know you'll get into it a little bit about the explosive plays. But it was Michigan was executing on all levels, especially in the second half. Brant, what did you feel like were a couple of the biggest plays in this game? Well, I think the first one that pops out to me, much like in 21, Dave, Josh Ross on defense when he made that play. Uh, you know, stoned him on third and two or whatever it was. It was the Mikey Sanders still play where he knocked it out of Cade Stover's hands. I can't remember. I think it was still a one possession or two possession game at that point, Dave. I think it might have been 31 20, maybe. And they held to the field goal right there to make it 31 23. And that was a play that everyone looked at. And I, I think they said, Yep, stoned him again. And, and that was where, uh, we gave up the three points in the second half right there, but then you come down and you get a score after that, and the floodgates are open. So I, I think that Mikey Sanders still play, and uh, you talk about his leadership and his role on the team and his willingness to sacrifice for his own, you know, maybe he loves playing offense. I don't know. But I will tell you, his sacrificing uh, to go to the defensive side of the ball uh, was just leadership showing right you can talk all you want but when you show that you can move and transition like that on a team and still be productive like that that is pure leadership man and dave we talked about coming into the year who the leaders of this team would be i think we got them now i think it's very clear to us now who can lead us into the college football playoff and potentially a national championship you know appearance has to be and i i think that that was the play of the game um amongst several others but that one just was gritty. It was a don't quit on this play type of a play from a from a senior on the team and from a captain. And you look at Mikey on the sideline, and he is in the ear of everybody on that sideline. Don't quit. This is our game. The road to win a national championship starts right here. Like those are the things that he was saying, and it's like it, that that is the leadership that I think started last year. Like that was where Aiden Hutchinson was a difference maker, and you don't have Hutch this year, right? You obviously lost him, Dax, and Ajabo, and we, we know the names. But you heard from Jim Harbaugh right from camp that this was a team with without stars, and that's not a jab at any anybody, but that 
every guy was willing to step up and be a leader and know their role and do it really well. And he thought that this defense had the potential to be even better than it was last year. And I think some people scoffed at that, maybe including myself. Like, that's a little bit of coach speak. I thought they could be good. I don't know how you could be better when you lose three first-round picks. Um, But here we are, man, holding Ohio State to 23 points at home the number one offense in the country, and yeah, you look at some of these stats, and Marv, Marvin Harrison Jr. got his, Ibuka got his, C.J. Stroud threw for over 300 yards. He also threw two interceptions. The bottom line is is that they scored 23 points, and anytime you hold Ohio State to 23 points in the shoe, whew, man. Yeah, David, and I think the other big play for me was the uh, J.J. third and goal play, where I don't, I don't know if it was him that called his own number or it was a designed run, whatever it was, or he saw something out there. Uh, I, w- I wish I could go through that play uh, just to figure out what he saw or, or what he called or, or whoever called it. But um, the grittiness and, and the stick to to get into the end zone right there. Um, and, and it just felt like he was not going to be denied on that play. And that's the type of stuff that, uh, you know, that's how you win championships. And that's stuff that we are just now becoming accustomed to having nice things. It's because we have players like that, that we can have nice things in the trophy case. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I look at a play like that uh, to push that lead, to, to not just be stagnant with a, hey, you know, a field goal's pretty good right here. You know, it, it's got to be touchdowns, and they made them count. And how about that first touchdown by Cornelius Johnson? I think they were down 10 to 3 at that point if I'm remembering correctly yep. and a huge play that got they just needed it. It's like when they needed a play whether it was offense or defense, they got it. And that yeah. that right there was like, "Oh, okay." The, the, the throw yep. by JJ though. I mean, the oh, man yeah. in the face, he's fading yep. away. I mean, he did that on multiple occasions in that game, Dave. Where the guys are in his face, steps up makes a throw, somebody breaks a tackle, because guess what? That secondary it was soft. I mean, they were missing tackles. It looked like Rich Rod defense out there, Dave. Remember the old Rich Rod yeah. arm tackling? That Unfortunately, was, <laughs> yeah, I do. It's just like it, was, it took me back to those days where it's like, I mean, if you can just get these guys in space, they're going to beat somebody. Yeah, well, and, and I think that, they just – and I, I want to come back to J.J. McCarthy in a second, Brant, but, I, I mean, how about Donovan Edwards, too? He, oh, my gosh, man. I mean, the guy's got, like, a club on his hand. I don't know if he has a broken hand or what it is. He's clearly not 100%, hasn't been playing, and Michigan could not – they could not run the ball um, in, in the first half. Like, I, I don't remember what the stat was, but I'm pretty sure they didn't have more than, like, 20 yards of rushing. And – they come out in the second half and and stick to it. And at the end of the game, what did they do? It felt reminiscent of last year when Hassan Haskins just couldn't stop scoring. And it was like it, Ohio State, it, their defense is drinking water from a fire hose and they just can't get a stop. And boom, there's a hole. Donovan Edwards gone for 75 yards. Oh, another hole, 85-yard touchdown. And in a matter of four plays on offense, all run plays, you just put 14 points on the board. It was... Just incredible. And I think that last year was, and we talked about this earlier this year, last year that win in Ann Arbor was a program-defining moment. 
it changed. Things were changing in Ann Arbor last year. I will never forget that moment. I mean, that was huge, man. The snow coming down, the fans rushing the field in the big house, and just the rejoice that was there was just outstanding. Like, I'll never forget that moment. And then it's like I'm watching this game, and I am, like, screaming at the TV in joy. Like, I... I felt like I could cry at one point. That's how excited I was, dude. I'm just like, what is happening right now? Not that I ever doubt it. I mean, we went live on the podcast and both said, and and we are not Michigan homers. We're really not. Maybe you are a little bit more than me, but no, I'm joking. We're, We're neither of us are like arrogant, like, oh, Michigan can win no matter what. Like, no, we'll call them on it when we feel they need to be called on it. Coaching, players, you name it. But I felt confident going into this game. What I didn't know was going to happen was a complete assault on the Ohio State Buckeyes in the second half. And they looked defeated. They looked, you could see it when their players are headbunning ours, and they're just out of control, man. I mean, Ryan Day looks defeated. They just didn't have it in them. And I think that for so many years, it seemed like this game just meant more to Ohio State. They were more prepared. They wanted it more. And we just got outplayed. We got outcoached every single year. And these last two years, I say it's the exact opposite. I think when they got punched back in the mouth, they didn't know what to do. And I, I think that the uh, the tide is shifting in this rivalry, and I could not be more excited about it. Yeah, Dave, you talk about a changing of the guard, I think is what you're kind of talking about when you said you, you feel so good that you could cry because – it's just something we've always kind of dreamed of. Like, oh, that would be really cool if Ann Arbor was the place, you know, if U of M was the place that you had to go through um, and we were the top dog. Now there is no question. It's no longer, hey, who's, whose conference is this? Is this Ryan Day in Ohio State's or Michigan upset them last year? You could use the word upset kind of. Like they kind of came out of nowhere to take that uh, Big Ten title. And and now you are really laying the cement, right? Like the cement's starting to dry, I guess I would say, uh, on Michigan being, uh, you know, the class of the Big Ten. And with new blood coming in, Dave, with USC and UCLA on the horizon, I mean, to have that in your back pocket coming into this and saying, hey, you got to come up here if you want this title, you know. We got to go out there and show you what Big Ten football is all about, and you might just get a taste of it in the college football playoff. Now that would be a lot of fun. Well, and, and speak, speaking of the the Big Ten and just the the ever evolving state of college football, and the Big Ten in particular as it's expanding. And Brian, I'll go out of order just a little bit because I think this is a perfect transition into it. You got more big names coming to the Big Ten. Luke Fickle out at Cincinnati, coming to Wisconsin. Matt Rule, we know his he was not successful in the NFL, but who cares? Um, to be honest with you, like Nick Saban wasn't successful in the NFL. Matt Rule's a very good college coach. He takes over at Nebraska. Um, and And by the way, I think that move is, the more I think about it, I'm like, that's huge. Because when Matt Rule was at Baylor, Brant, what state did he recruit the heck out of? Uh, Texas and Texas. Oklahoma. Yeah. I, I mean, and those are the old school footprints of Nebraska football. You it had is. to get kids from Texas, Oklahoma. You were in the Big 12 forever. And now he can go plant his roots back into where – you're right, Dave. I mean, it's a perfect it's a perfect tie-in. Um, and, and I know he's going to recruit the heck out of that state. Yeah, and, and this is – 
you know, you, you hear like some people say, oh, God, I don't, I don't know how I feel about, I don't know how I feel about this. And, you know, you get scared hearing these names come in. This is a great thing for the Big Ten. And you want to stack up against the SEC? Look, the Big Ten was absolute garbage this year. It just was. From top to bottom, it was. Um, you had a couple good teams at the top. You knew Michigan, Ohio State was there. But, Brent, what are we talking about in the Big Ten West, really? I mean, I know we're going to talk about Purdue in a second. I know we talked about Illinois last week. We, what are what are we doing? And, and I think that you are seeing... Waiting on the, USC and UCLA, right, that's what we're doing. <laughs> right, but you're seeing these guys, and they're, they're smart, man. Luke Fickle, I was shocked to see him leave Cincinnati for Wisconsin. I mean, not crazy shocked, but I didn't see it coming. And the more I think about it, it's like, genius move. This is the right time to do it. He sees what's happening. He, he knows that the Big Ten and the SEC are about to be super conferences, and he wants to be a part of it. And he knows that before all this happens, he needs to go get his feet wet in Wisconsin, get start getting his guys in, so when that moment comes and that that switch flips, he's ready to go. And it's exciting, man. You think about having Jim Harbaugh, Ryan Day, Luke Fickle, Matt Rule, like, dude, that's Lincoln Riley from USC, like, Chip Kelly, I mean... These are big names, and it's exciting. I, the Big Ten needed this, man. They absolutely did, Dave. I don't know. I, I know I shouldn't probably throw this in on the pod, but I watched Nebraska-Iowa last Friday, um, the, the play rival game, whatever. I watched Alex Padilla play. You remember him from the Big Ten championship game? Yes. Chance? Okay. So Petrus gets hurt. Padilla comes in. And it's it's unacceptable that he is a college quarterback in the Big Ten. Honestly, it is. It's unacceptable. And I think that this is going to force guys like Kirk Ferentz to be like, we need a backup plan. Like, we can't go in with the guy we're like, eh, you know, we might be okay because our defense will hold them to 14 points and maybe we score 15. You know what I mean? It's just unacceptable. And I hope that it does light a fire under these other Big Ten West coaches. I know it's crazy, like, we're calling for more more out of the Big Ten, right? Because why wouldn't we want an easy road to the Big Ten championship, Dave? But, yeah, it's killing us in the grand scheme. And, and when you talk about going from four teams to 12 teams, your schedule is going to be everything. It's going to be more like the NCAA tournament. It's going to be more where your resume is scrutinized. You know, they're going to put the screws to this. So, I, I think that the Big Ten West coming up is going to be huge. Yeah, I could not agree more, and I, I'm just I'm I'm excited. I mean, college football is changing, and I I've been reluctant to embrace it. I know that I had to. I mean, I'm just such a traditional mindset when it comes like I'm thinking of the Big Ten, and it's like, man, now we got USC, UCLA talking about Notre Dame, like. What are we? What are we doing? What's happening? But the the bottom line is, is that look, it's happening, and Kevin Warren embraced this thing from from the get go, and I, I would tip my hat to him in that sense. And you see some big name coaches joining the ranks here, and I, dude, as a Big Ten faithful, I want to stack up against the SEC. I do. I want to stack up really, really well. Where. Um, it's not just Big Ten people saying, no, 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 the Big Ten's actually good. Like, I want on a national stage, I want to hear Paul Feinbaum recognize that the Big Ten's legit. Yeah, I mean, right now, if you ask any SEC people, they're going to tell you Tennessee would absolutely destroy Penn State. You know, that's what they're looking at. They they would 
they would tear our third and fourth teams apart is what they think. Now, they, they respect Michigan-Ohio State. I will say that. I listen to a lot of them say, you know, they're good football teams. They do not respect our numbers three through 14, though. Yeah. And, and some of that is, you know, our eight through 14, probably not. Your eight through 14 in the SEC is probably better. Right, I agree. Also, Tennessee, really, you've had one good year. Let's let's not act yeah, like I, you've been there. You know what I mean, like that. Right, I but. I totally get that. I I totally get that. So, yeah. A- anyway, Brent, yeah, that kind of tied in tied in perfectly right there. And I I do want to shift. Uh, and oh wait, take before a- you move on, who do you think the better hire was, Fickle Rule? I know you think they're both good. You know what? I think because of I yeah, I think they're both ten out of ten hires. I think that Luke Fickle's the easy pick, but personally I think it's Matt Rule because I remember hearing when he was at Baylor and was building an elite team, an elite program there. Dude, he has great relationships with like all the Texas high school coaches, which is like it. a huge pipeline. And Nebraska has always, when they were good, they lived off of that pipeline, and they have not had it in recent years. So I think that that was a genius hire for them to, you know, people think that Matt Rule's coming back with his tail tucked between his legs. No, he's not. The NFL's mm-hmm. a different beast. Um, he's and, got $40 million. Dude doesn't care. Right, exactly, exactly. No kidding. So, yeah, I, that's that would be my pick. What about you? I'll say fickle early, rule late. I think it takes Matt Rule a couple years to get that pipeline built back Agreed. up, Dave, like you were talking about. And I think Luf Fickle has a really good chance if he can get a quarterback in there next year. <coughs> Cade um, McNamara. Right. <laughs> Name drop. Uh, you know, insert insert quarterback, and, and you might have something cooking immediately, Dave. And what I think is interesting, and I know this is completely off the radar, Ohio State travels to Madison next year in October sometime. And I think that's just a game I would automatically circle right now as Luke Fickle's old ties there. I think he felt a little bit snubbed about that job when Ryan Day got it. Um, I know that was his dream job. So I'm just interested to see that game already. For sure. Yeah. No, this is going to add a whole, like next year, before this expansion even happens, we got a whole new interesting element or two, and I'm beyond excited. But before we get to next year, Brant, we got to... You got to pack up our stuff, fill the fill the uh, car with gas, and uh, make a trip down to Indy, man. And we have got Purdue coming Saturday night, and I, w- I need to know I need to know your takes because I'll, I'll be honest, Brant, I have not watched a ton of Purdue football this year, especially after they started like one and two, and I thought that they were going to be better than they were. Big fan of Aiden O'Connell, their quarterback. Um, He's had some personal stuff going on too, like his family that's been pretty tragic. And I just think like Purdue is just coming back on the rise, kind of just at the right time here. And I do not want, and I don't think Michigan will overlook them, but I need to hear a little bit more about Purdue football and what you've seen so far from the Branks. I think you've watched a little bit more of them than I have recently. Yeah, Dave, um, you want to talk about a playmaker. Uh, I know you know that Aiden O'Connell can make all the throws. They run a spread offense. Um, you know, 
he's not going to be running. He'll, he'll he'll run around to throw the ball. That's for sure. I mean, he can move to make all the throws. That that's absolutely for sure. But um, we're talking about Charlie Jones here. Charlie Jones was a transfer from Iowa. He actually played in the Big Ten Championship last year and was one of Iowa's bright spots. Uh, if you can imagine that the Iowa offense had a bright spot. Um, but what I'm talking about here is when you can get your playmakers the ball in space like Purdue does, it can be a problem. In Michigan, you know, they did a great job against Ohio State making tackles, keeping things in front of them for the most part. But the one thing I didn't expect Ohio State to do so well was run the ball. I wouldn't be surprised if Purdue tried that as well. Uh, Ohio State was kind of gash in Michigan, didn't you think, Dave? It was kind of surprising to watch how easy Ohio State was able to move the ball on the ground. And I think that is cause for concern. Yeah, I I do think yeah, I I agree. I was like to be honest with you, Brent, that was like that first drive, those first couple drives. That's when I'm like, "Uh-oh. If they're running the ball this well, we got we got big problems. Big problems." And but once again, credit to this Michigan coaching staff, credit to Jesse Minter. What happened Brent in the second half? Adjustments. 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 Um, and you know, I I know I talk about Purdue being a, a pass heavy team, but they're pretty balanced. Uh I mean, they will run the ball on you. They'll do different things. And Dave, I know I texted you and Kurt this earlier today. It's going to be the kitchen sink. I mean, you need to be ready for everything. Fake punt, fake field goal, um, you know, halfback pass, reverses, whatever it takes to get this win. And they got athletes all over, man. I mean, they really do. They are not the five-star, four-stars of Ohio State's athletes. But, I mean, a slip here, a slip there, and they're gone. So I think this team really needs to be ready on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, they're not Illinois. They're not Iowa. I don't even think they're Ohio State, man. We're going to have a chance to really put some points up with uh, little to no resistance. Um, not, to, not to say they don't have a respectable defense, but um, we should be able to move the ball, Dave. Uh, I, I can see this being like a 17-21 type of game at half or something. You know, I could see some points being lit up on the scoreboard here. Fair enough. Yeah, I hope it's not that close. I mean, I know we'll talk about the uh, the the spread here as we get into the betting segment at the end. Uh, but yeah, appreciate the uh, the preview on Purdue, and hopefully when we tune in Saturday night, we get to watch Michigan run it back uh, as Big Ten champions. So, Brant, I want to talk about beyond the Big Ten championship. Nationally, Michigan's finally being respected i you know what i know any from michigan state fan listening to this is like rolling their eyes like oh god michigan's always overly respected by the media now okay maybe by the media maybe by select personnel that that seem to always believe in michigan and they let them down every year but let's be honest people didn't really believe in michigan uh for for a very long time and rightfully so and then this year the talk has been all year long, and, and we've recognized it too, and don't shy away from it. They've had a cupcake schedule. They haven't played anybody, and we'll really find out what they're made of when they go to Columbus. Well, I'll take two wins out of the book. Yeah, you, you saw what just happened in Columbus. It was a blowout in the second half. Um, let's not forget about that Penn State game. I know that was a home game. Penn State's finishing as like a top 10 team, top 10 team in the country. Uh, you got They blew the top off that. So, when you look at those two big wins for Michigan, yeah, the rest of their schedule was pretty trash. Hard to argue that. But they're getting respect on the national level. And 
that's important. Um, it doesn't win games to get that respect, but you're being talked about with the big boys right now, especially in a year like this one. And so, Brant, I do want to play kind of an extended audio clip here from Joel Klatt and from his podcast because now Joel Klatt is one who kind of routinely gives respect to the Big Ten, I would say, um, while Paul Feinbaum does not. So maybe it's a little slanted, but I thought it was very interesting from a national perspective, not somebody in Michigan media weighing in on the current state of Michigan and whether they're legit national contenders this year. So listen to this clip here for just a uh, couple minutes, and then I want to talk about it. Shoot, a few weeks now. I don't think we have a great, great team this year in college football. Now, Georgia might win the national championship, and and they might do it comfortably. I, I don't think that this is even a better Georgia team as we've seen them during the course of the season than the one a year ago. They were just more talented a year ago. I don't think that we have a, a Bama team from the COVID year, right? So I don't think we have an LSU team from 2019 under Joe Burrow. I don't think we have a Trevor Lawrence Clemson team. I don't think we have a historically great team this year. So I know this sounds crazy, but for the first time in the Jim Harbaugh era, for the first time since maybe early 2000s, maybe late 90s, Saturday night, I left the stadium and I thought to myself, could Michigan win the national championship? And for the first time since the 90s, I think, yeah, they might be able to. I thought it was really pointed. And Tom Rinaldi had a great report during the game um, on the sidelines. And, and he talked about Mike Sainrasil on the sidelines and, and that he was not just yelling at his team about like, hey, oh, we can do it. We can beat them. Yes, he said that. But then... He went a step further and he says, this is where winning the natty starts. Okay, so that's what they're thinking about. You see, last year was so clearly about this game and the the overwhelming emotions of this game to try to get over the hump of Ohio State. And now all of a sudden players are like no 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 like we want more we tasted that playoff we saw what georgia looked like and we want more and in a year in which i just don't think that there's like an elite 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 historically great team can michigan win the national championship maybe maybe i tell you if if jj mccarthy can keep his team afloat through through periods where they maybe don't dominate at the line of scrimmage Maybe. He's certainly not going to have to play in weather as poor as what he did against Illinois. You know, so, (laughs) I mean, we'll see. I think, listen, Michigan fans, I don't want to, like, get your hopes too high. I'm not saying that you are going to win the national championship. I'm not even saying that you're definitely going to get to the national championship. All I'm saying is, like, this year, Michigan might be the best team in the country. Certainly after what we saw on Saturday in the shoe. Right. Brant, 
So I know that was kind of a long clip, but I, I just found it interesting, and I want to know your take on that, and, and specific, specifically what Joel Klatt had to say. I mean, I'm going to ask you the obvious question of, do you agree? Um, and I, I know that your answer is going to be, yeah, I know you think that they can win a national championship, but why? Yeah, I think it's it's pretty simple, Dave. I, I don't think Georgia has that dominant team like last year. I think it's got more to do with others than it has to do with us specifically this year. And I think that has to do with Alabama kind of coming down to earth a little bit, not going to be in the playoff picture, a perennial playoff team. Clemson, what about them, right? They're out of the playoff picture. That's another perennial team. The only team with college football playoff experience probably – could be Michigan and Georgia, Dave, in this. And I think experience plays a factor in stuff like this. It plays a factor in knowing the routines, knowing the media days, knowing how to handle your business. And, Dave, you want to know what's going to go a long way is that feeling of standing in Miami last year, watching the confetti rain down as you weren't the Orange Bowl champions, as you sat there and you watched Georgia take the roses that is going to pay huge dividends. I sure hope so. Um, you know, if we get a chance to go to Arizona to play, uh, or, or um, I can't remember where the other semifinal is, but I'm expecting we'll be in Arizona. Uh, but that's what that's what the hope is right now. And I, I think that um, TCU and USC, if they end up winning their games, Dave, um, they're not going to have the experience like we do. So I think that'll be the the big factor there. For sure, and I mean, I think people remember the viral uh, pictures that went around last year as J.J. McCarthy, who, by the way, was not the starting quarterback, and Andrew Anthony, who I think he caught more balls last year than this year, but true freshman, and Donovan Edwards, are Blake Corum, are standing there, and, and they stayed out on the field to watch Georgia celebrate that win and make it to the college football championship game. And I think you stole the words right out of my mouth, Brant. I think experience talks. I know they didn't win last year. Some would even say, and I would have to agree, Michigan was beyond overmatched. They weren't ready to to eat at the same table as the big boys like Georgia last year for the team that they had. Um, this year, I think it's different. I think the confidence is there. I think knowing what it takes to not only get there, but to win adjustments that can be made. I think also, Brant, this, I know we didn't talk about J.J. McCarthy a ton. Listen, J.J.'s been under some scrutiny this year, right? And and he hasn't connected on the deep ball. We, we know. Um, and people thought along with myself, that this offense was going to be way more explosive than than it turned out to be. And then it's been scrutinized. And then you don't have your Heisman running back in Blake Corum, and the team is banged up in Ohio State. Literally, their game plan was to show up and make J.J. McCarthy beat them. And Brant, what did J.J. McCarthy do? He absolutely destroyed them. And sure, he missed some throws. We know he completed 50% of his passes. Wasn't a perfect game, but he showed up, he showed out, and that's what you brought in a five-star quarterback to do. True sophomore, let's not forget that. Four touchdowns and the biggest game of his career and the biggest stage that he has played on, 12-0 and as a starter. I'll tell you what, if that Ohio State game was any indication of what this offense could be and what potential still exists, 
sign me up. And and I think that Michigan is as good as anybody in the country. I think they've proved that. That's no slight to Georgia or any other team. The the numbers don't lie. The facts speak for themselves. Michigan belongs at the table this year, and I think that they're re- the players are ready to do so. And I think that uh, this coaching staff is beyond ready to do so. And and Brand, I'll be honest, that's been the the biggest change for me is the faith in the in the coaching staff, specifically in Jim Harbaugh. Absolutely, man. So, Brant, I need a minute. I think you're going to need more than a minute. Yeah, I, I need a minute. <laughs> I wish I had some somber music here to play, okay? Because I need I need a, a minute here on this microphone to pen an open letter, an apology letter to Jim Harbaugh because I was wrong. And when I'm wrong, I can admit it, and I'm going to own it. And I needed I needed to get these thoughts out on paper, Brand, and I needed to make it public. So here we go. <clears throat> Dear Jim, hey coach, it's me. And while I write this letter on behalf of my own personal viewpoints and stances over the years. I know I represent thousands of Michigan fans who have shared the same sentiments as me over the last eight years of your coaching tenure. When I found out that you were taking over as our new head coach in 2015, I was ecstatic. After years of heartbreak and disappointing losses, it finally felt like we hired a legitimate head coach that could bring us back to winning and towards the top of college football. My excitement and enthusiasm unknown to mankind was unfortunately quickly diminished. From trouble with the snap and a heartbreaking loss to Michigan State in Ann Arbor that night to getting routinely slaughtered by Ohio State and no trips to Indianapolis to ever compete for a Big Ten championship, I felt let down. I doubted you, and quite honestly, all of the gimmicky things you would say after these losses had me angered beyond belief at times. I never called for Michigan to fire you because, in all honesty, I had no idea who we could even get to replace you, and that's not exactly a compliment. After the COVID year in 2020 where you led us to an astounding 2-4 and four record, I had just about had it. Brant and I launched the Garage Takes podcast that next season in the summer of 2021, and I was depressed just having to talk about the current state of the Michigan football program. I had to listen to my Michigan State friends laugh at the weird things you would say, had to watch Ohio State make fun of you and the team on national television, and I was just sick of it. I've criticized your recruiting, your inability to grow our players while they're under your coaching wing once they actually do make it onto campus. And then just when I think you couldn't get any more ridiculous to listen to, you show up in September of 2021 and start to totally redeem yourself. A loss to Michigan State had me doubting you once again, but you recovered. You beat Penn State and then destroyed Ohio State in the big house a few weeks later, and the sight of fans storming the field and enjoying that moment with my grandma Sally was something that I will never forget. Following that up with the Big Ten Championship and an appearance in the college football playoff had me believing again, but I still had my doubts that it had more to do with Aiden Hutchinson and that specific group of players and coaches than it did with your coaching. I was wrong. 
Our relationship continued to be a roller coaster as I had to listen to you flirt with the NFL coaching vacancies once again just a month or two after our loss to Georgia. How could you follow up that incredible season by turning your back on this team of coaches and players? It was just another chapter in our story, I guess. You came back. Fast forward to our current 2022 season, and you have made me a believer again. Not just in Michigan football, but a believer in you, Jim Harbaugh. I believe that you are the coach that can and will make Michigan great again. Leading us to a 12-0 record, another trip to Indy to compete for uh, for back-to-back Big Ten championships, and a clear view of a return to the college football playoff. When I think back to the start of your tenure and the pitfalls we all witnessed, I can't help but think that you were trying to fit the Harbaugh style of football as a square peg in a round hole. It just didn't work. Speed in space was a joke, and we just consistently lacked the talent and game plan to compete with the top programs in the Big Ten and in the country. But you're, you're winning now, and you're doing it your way. You knew you weren't ever going to out-five-star the Buckeyes, so what did you do? You built the team in the trenches. You did it the Harbaugh way. You built up one of the best line of scrimmage teams on both sides of the ball in the country. You committed to running the football no matter what the rest of college football was doing and how they were winning. You're doing it your way, the Harbaugh way, the NFL way, the same way you won at Stanford and the same way you were successful with the 49ers. It's working, Jim, and I owe you a public apology. As the great Frank Sinatra once said, I did it my way. Regrets, I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. I did what I had to do and saw it through without exemption. I planned each chartered course, each careful step along the byway, and more, much more than this, I did it my way. Hats off to you, Jim Harbaugh. I believe in you. You have me believing in this program again. Go Blue. And more, much more than this, I did it my way. <laughs> you, are, you are just loving this, aren't you, Brant? You the, are pod just... is <laughs> o- the pod is off the rails. Uh, this I... is out of control right now, isn't this? <laughs> Dave's public <laughs> apology to Jim Harbaugh Dude. is just it is it is a defining moment for the podcast. Dude. It is uh, up there with me telling you that we were going to get all lubed up uh, in Michigan Stadium. Um, I told you never use that word again on the podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, um. this is going to go down in some of the podcast <laughs> lore. Uh, I want you to frame. Oh, actually, I would like you to give Jim a copy of that. Would you send that to him? Would Post I, haste, please. I'm going to try and find a way. I, I really am because <laughs> I did. I, I owe it, Brant. I, I can own it, and I, I did it as a joke, but I did it in all seriousness because I have been the biggest critic of Jim Harbaugh over these last few years, and at times listening to him talk – after consistent losses, I just literally wanted to bang my head against the table. I doubted the way he could do it. He was stubborn. He was going to run the football. He was going to build it in the trenches and play hard-nosed Big Ten football like it was the 1980s, and I just could not stand it. And, Brant, what did I watch on Saturday? I watched it work yeah. yet again. So 
So if people don't know this, but if we did have a podcast in 28, 2019, you'd actually hear us disagree a lot more than we would ever agree uh, when Michigan was in some turmoil. I was like, hey, it's okay. We'll stay the course. Like, we'll be all right. We still have Jim Harbaugh. Like, we're winning eight, nine games. And, Dave, that was never good enough for you. Um, You know, and it is sad to say I heard that stat. Okay, so this is another thing Klatt said was, in the last 14 years, you know how many times Michigan finished in the top 10? I, I don't know. Zero. There it is. Zero. And how many times in the top, how many times in the top 25? Seven. Nice. 50% uh, of the time. So th- uh, I just want people to wrap their heads around where this program was and where he brought it to. That's fair. I mean, it took him a while. And how often do we see it, Dave, at college programs? Yes, it's a lot quicker now with the transfer portal. I get it. But that's when Michigan State fans are flipping their lids about Mel Tucker right now. Just chill. Chill, chill, chill. It might take him five, six years, seven years. It takes a while at college. You know, Saban, Saban lost to, like, Louisiana his first year. Like, not Louisiana State University. Like, Louisiana his first uh, his first year at Alabama. So, why don't we all just chill a little bit on that? But, you know, Harbaugh definitely had his coming out party in 21 after you already named it, Dave. 2020, 2 and 4. You couldn't back it up with another terrible year. Like, and by terrible, I mean like a 7 win year. That man, so, pu- that man publicly took like a massive pay cut mm-hmm. and was one of the bottom tier pay coaches in the Big Ten, not even in the country. And he's watching. And he continues to watch, right? He continues to watch Mel Tucker get $95 million. And uh, he doesn't not, care. I, I he don't doesn't. Think he cares. He, he do, I, I don't I, think he cares either. That's the thing. I, don't, I really don't think Jim cares. I don't think he's I ever think, cared. Yeah, I think he's so quirky. And like some of the postgame stuff, Dave, uh, you never hear him talk. He'll, he would never talk about himself. He won't talk about the administration, really. He'll just talk about the players and the coaches. Every um, single one of them. You know, he'll name them all he'll by name their them all. first, Who stood out, middle, Jim? last right. name. Yeah. And uh, he'll name all their family members and everything. Uh, but it's it's just really cool to see that now at the postgame podiums where he's just like, I don't really want to talk to you guys. It's, it's all about the players. Uh, ask them the questions. I'm out. Yep. Yep. Fair enough, man. So I, I'm officially, I am off the Harbaugh hate train. <laughs> and... I'm I'm ready to roll, man. I'm I'm Team Harbaugh. Let's go. Let's go blue. All right, Brant. Let's wrap this thing up. Let's get into the best bets of the week, and we've got some good ones. All right, Dave. Championship Saturday. One of the best college football weekends of the year. Oh, yeah. Oh, Um, yeah. I know you're really looking forward to it. And I texted you earlier today just to let you know USC and uh, Utah play on Friday night. And what an appetizer. Yeah, what an appetizer. That feels like a main course, right? Heisman frontrunner Caleb Williams. Oof. Yeah, I I will be watching. And that is no easy game against Utah. Right. We're talking revenge factor because Utah is their only loss, Mm 43-42. So we have potentially Heisman on the line. You potentially have playoff spot on the line and the Pac-12 championship. Not like that's the last thing you talk about right now. Pac-12 championship, right? So, right. Uh, three three major things on the line in this one. USC favored by two and a half. Yeah. Well, I I just I have a hard time right now, Brant picking again. I was texting you earlier. 
Caleb Williams, I, I know USC doesn't play defense. I know their offensive line isn't even that good. Caleb Williams looks, I don't even want to say Patrick Mahomes-esque because that is just so played out. But the dude is different, and he's playing out of his mind right now. And I, I watched that game Saturday night where he just took it over against Notre Dame. And whether it's running touchdowns, making plays with his arm, sidearm throws, like the kid just has it all. And at this point of the year, and he's got enough talent on that team, by the way, um, to make a run at this thing, even if they're playing a 50 to 45 game or whatever, I got a hard time picking against Caleb Williams in USC, so I will pick them to cover. What about you? Okay, Dave. I'm going to go with USC. The revenge factor here, uh, it's too much. Uh, games neutral field in Las Vegas. I, I love USC here. I think they're going to be bound and determined to get this done. You throw that extra motivation of a playoff spot in here, you got to get it done. I just feel like they have enough in the tank to get it across the finish line here. Utah, a great team. Um, I mean, definitely a top 15 team in the country. Um, but looking forward to seeing that one. I'll take USC to Win cover. in, you're in. Lose in, you're out. That simple that, for USC. It's, it's, it's that simple, correct. Um, all right, Dave, let's go LSU-Georgia. I am curious about your take on this one. Georgia favored by 18 and a half. It's a no, large line. That's disrespectful. No. <laughs> I know LSU just lost, too, by yeah. the way, but um, that that is a large number. And, I I mean, I think Georgia gets this thing done. I really do. Uh, God, if LSU beats Georgia, though, ensue the chaos of what's about to happen because I, I, the committee is going to lose their mind. I Michigan, haven't even thought about that. Dude. Yeah. Mi- Michigan, Michigan will – I mean – Dude, you look, they were just number – LSU was just the number five team in the country before they lost. So let's not act like they just suck and are just like, you know, somehow backdoored their way into the game. Like, LSU's a legit team, and that is a lot of points for Georgia to win by, a lot of points for them to put up. Ooh, I, I just – I'll take LSU with those points all day. But I really – I think Georgia will win, but my God, if somehow LSU pulls this off – Michigan goes to one most likely, and as long as they obviously beat Purdue, but whoa, 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 whoa. Ohio State probably back in the conversation. No, thank you. I don't want to even hear about Alabama. Like, there's just so many things that could that could happen still. Yeah, I'm going to take Georgia to cover this. Uh, I, I just think this thing gets out of control for some reason. Um, LSU's quarterbacks played pretty good this year. But he's not been able to see a defense. I don't think that's this good. I mean, don't act like uh, Tennessee or Alabama's defense is Georgia's defense still. Uh, This thing just has turnovers written on it, pick sixes, something of that nature. Um, I I just see things going wrong for LSU. And that loss last week to Texas A&M, that's an embarrassing loss. That's just It just can't happen kind of a loss when you're in the playoff conversation. Um, so I think that I think that Georgia will cover this one, Dave. All right, All right. Dave. Um, I'm going to give you TCU Kansas. Uh, Kansas, oh, Kansas State. State. Yeah, yep. Kansas State. Sorry, uh, TCU two and a half point favorite. Much like USC, two and a half point favorites. Neutral game, Big Twelve championship on the line. Uh, it's playoff spot on the line. Can they get it done? Brand, I want them to get it done. I know I you do. do. I do. I, I, I want TCU and USC to win this weekend. Um, uh, oh, gosh, I, Dave. I can tell you're already fighting your gut and your brain. 
Here it is, man. I'm not calling Kansas State money line, but I'm going to take them plus two. You said it's two and a half? Yeah, two and a half. I'll take them plus two and a half. They already played each other, and, dude, this is going to be a game. I I just I, I really think Kansas State's a good team, and they're going to give. T- they have nothing to lose right now and everything to gain. Um, I guess in terms of their bowl game, they're going to play in. But like, dude, they want nothing more right now than to ruin TCU season. So I, I I think if TCU wins this game, it's going to be one of those last minute one point field goal at the end type of game. Just my two cents there. What about you? Dave, I'll go K State money line. I know Whoa. you hate to see, you hate to see it, right? I would love to see TCU in the playoff too, and that doesn't mean that they won't get into the playoff. Kansas State's a very good team, highly ranked team, um, probably another top fifteen team in the country that's playing in a conference championship game this weekend. So, um, I will take uh, I'll take Kansas State money line. Dave, Purdue and Michigan, the nightcap. Michigan is a 16.5-point favorite in Indianapolis. Can they cover it? I think that, I think they do. Um, God, it almost seems like a trap line in a way where it's like, does this have the feeling of a Illinois-Michigan type of game? I just don't think Purdue is as tough physically as a team as like an Illinois, and I think that Michigan's going to be able to put up points pending their health. I mean, you just never know who's even playing these days with them, but... Um, Maybe I'm thinking too much into last year when Michigan just obliterated Iowa in the Big Ten championship game, but um, I, this game may start close, but I think Michigan pulls ahead and wins by uh, a few scores in the second half. What about you? I'll take Purdue with the 16.5. I just think this game has 7-10 to 10 to 13 point written all over it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this game is closer throughout, uh, much closer, Dave, than what we saw last year with Iowa. Um, I think that Purdue, I don't think Purdue necessarily stops us per se, but I think they put some points on the board and I, I think that this thing can, can be, uh, certainly close. So Look, looking to be spoiler makers, huh? And that's their MO. Plus you talked about the O'Connell situation. He's going to be playing for his brother. That'll be the whole storyline on Saturday. Don't worry. Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson will bring it up 4,672 times. Uh, you know, and it'll just be like a, a thing that's uh, lingering over this that um, could could you know be some good juju for them. So, all right, sure. Dave. All right, let's switch over to the NFL, man. Let's go, Jags at Lions. Um, let's start right there. Lions point and a half favorite. Can they cover one and a half, Dave? Pretty much a pick 'em. I'll take the Lions here. Look, look. And I know the Jags just got a sweet last-minute win against the Ravens, so they're probably on a high right now. I just – the Lions have looked really good <laughs> over the last month-plus. They look really good. And I know they didn't beat the Bills, but they sure as heck could have. I know they didn't get it done, but they gave them a game coming off a three-game winning streak. The Lions are red hot to me right now. Um, I don't know if they get Jamison Williams back. I don't know if this is the game, but if it is – I'm all I'm locked in. I, I I'm locked in to see it. So I, I will take the Lions here. What about you? I'm gonna take the uh I'm gonna take the Jaguars, oddly enough. I just think the Jaguars right now are, are a decent team. They 
They move the ball pretty well. I could see the over definitely hitting in this thing. I could see, uh, you know, like a 40-40 to 40 type of game. Like the game we had with the Seahawks. It just doesn't go our way. Also, Dave, that draft position is starting to look <laughs> better and better. You know what I mean? I just internally fight with that. I want the Jaguars to win this game, kind of. Uh, the Rams pick is already looking like it's going to be a top 10 pick. So two top 10 picks would be really nice. Potentially top five, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, Dave. The Chiefs and the Bengals are playing this weekend, and we'll get to that in just a second. But this, to me, is the game of the weekend in the NFL. Dolphins at 49ers. Niners favored by three and a half. Hmm. Gosh, I, I really You're just... You're almost talking I, about the best defense right now playing the best offense, kind of. Yeah. I really, really like the Dolphins. And especially, I think this game's going to be close. I, I just, I'll just i take them plus three and a half. And the Niners' defense is obviously legit. I mean, I think they're like first in points per game allowed or yards per game, whatever. Like, the defense is, is certainly legit, but... Man, that's going to be a fun one to watch with Tua and Tyreek and Jalen Waddle and everything that they bring. So um, I will take Miami plus three and a half. What about you? Dave, I'll take the Niners at home to cover the three and a half. It's just like one of those odd, got to go across the country type of trip. Uh, I always think that those actually play a factor in the NFL. It's kind of like a weird thing. I'll take the Niners to cover the three and a half. Uh, really right. good defense with the 49ers. All right, Chiefs and Bengals. Uh, Bengals uh, getting two and a half at home. The Bengals are also getting Jamar Chase back this week. And um, I think they are getting Joe Mixon jo- back maybe jo- too. Joe Mixon, is a, he's questionable. I do know Jamar Chase is for sure coming back. Um, I <sighs> said that once about Josh Allen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. That was you said he's it so definitely. emphatically, dude. Oh no, 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 he's out. I'm like, are you sh- are you sure they ruled him out? Oh yeah, yeah, no, he's out. Yeah, um, I'll take the Chiefs here. Okay, I'll take the Bengals. Uh, I like the fact that they get Jamar back. They're at home. Uh, I think that makes a difference. Um, okay, we're kind of on the opposite sides of a lot of these bets. It's good. I like it. Yeah. I, I like to be at odds with you, man. Well, hey. It's been a pleasure as always. It there is no better episode to record than after the game when Michigan comes out with a big fat W and sticks it to the Buckeyes for the second year in a row. So um, actually, uh, breaking news, Dave: Twitter has fired Ryan Day. It, uh, Twitter uh, has let him go. <laughs> <laughs> I had to yeah. sneak that in there before we get off this podcast, but it's outrageous how they're just like, we're done. Dude, that guy's got like a 45-5 and five record, and they're like, fire him. Fire him. Yeah, please do fire him. Yeah, on behalf of all Michigan fans, fire him. All right, man. Garage Takes. Like, follow, subscribe to the podcast. We appreciate it. Five-star review goes a long ways. Leave us a positive comment. Whatever you can to do to help support us, we appreciate it. It's Go Blue, baby. It always has been. It's another great year. Michigan heading back to Indianapolis to take on Purdue. Not the spoiler makers, the boiler makers. Go blue this weekend. Hopefully we are talking about Michigan running it back as back-to-back Big Ten champions next week. We're out of here. Powered by 
Riverside. 